Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Uh, allow allow you and others to, to talk about it. So what is your position 
on this Jonathan Taylor move? Um, it's real awkward that you know ownerships and management are really like you know pulling the cover off of the running back situation and could care less if you want to stay or go. Knowing that Jonathan Taylor is at least a top five, and I feel like I'm being generous, top five running back in the league. Hey, and, um, they're going to need him as a building block. You got a young quarterback right now that needs that, you know, that protection of a running back that knows what's going on. It takes him to relieve a lot of that stress. Then sending him on his way, there should be a ton of teams that want him. I don't know if it, well, yeah, want and need. Let me say it the right way. Want and need him at this time. In Detroit, all you got to do is get rid of Jamar Jefferson and Craig Reynolds, bring him in there. You got him, Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs. I would love to have him behind that offensive line. This guy is a threat to get you at least fourteen to seventeen hundred yards a season if he remains upright. So I don't like the way Indianapolis is playing. This is the same team that chased so many different players out of that team and chased them, you know what I'm saying, out of there. And um I'm not comfortable with it and and it's definitely like leaves the doorway open for Jacksonville and somewhat of Tennessee to take that division. Now, I really feel like the Colts have re- removed themselves by being, you know, the smartest guy in the room to give the opportunity to watch Jonathan walk away. That That's not the way I want to see it happen. I respect it. I respect it. I, here's my particular take on it. Um, I've sat here on this very network time and time again and beat the drum about the importance uh, of the running back position and how um, the running back position's value you know, financially is being phased out. However, if you kind of look at the situation as we see it, the Indianapolis Colts are showing their hand because they essentially would like a a first-round draft pick and some other compensation for Jonathan Taylor. Now, if you want a first-round draft pick for Jonathan Taylor, why not pay him first-round draft pick type money. You feel me? Like, so the Indianapolis Colts want a team ransom, the Christian McCaffrey type of deal for Jonathan Taylor, but don't want to turn that first-round compensation uh, into actual cash and, and, and lace his pockets with it. So I, I, I hate the fact, like you alluded to, TP, I hate the fact that these running backs are, are, are being – ridiculed and, and told to ship elsewhere uh, when they, you know, walk up to management and say, hey, um, pay me pay, pay me my money, pay me what I'm worth, and the management kind of flips from the bird, and then you want to put a, a first-round draft pick on top of them because that's what you want. And, and they're talking out of both sides of their face here, and I quite – I honestly don't like it. So I agree with you. Um, now, here's the thing, like, Josh Jacob, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon, and, and, and these guys who, in my opinion, deserve a payday um, are getting done the short end of the stick. However, they're going to have to show up to camp to play ball. Like, I heard, I saw a report today that Josh Jacobs is due back at, at, at Raiders camp. Don't know how he's going to perform or if he's going to perform up to par. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor you know, showed back up uh, a lot of part of last week and then was subsequently excused. So I'm not too sure if they're just trying to, you know, let him not get fined or whatever the case may be. Um, there's a lot going on with this Jonathan Taylor situation. 
and it, it baffles me to see how this is all panning out. Got another chef in the building, Mr. Harvey. What's going on, my guy? How are we doing this evening? What's up, man? It's always fun to sit in and chop it up with you. So uh, I'm doing pretty well. Just uh, pop it in, front office show, uh, get into the weeds on some of these things for sure. But, yeah, awesome, the Jonathan awesome. Taylor thing is very interesting. Well, give me a position on it, man, because both TP and I kind of uh, are in lockstep with it. I, I took it from a financial draft compensation angle. Uh, but what's your take on the whole situation? I mean, they give him permission to seek a trade. I think what they're basically saying is go ahead if you think you can find one. Uh, teams aren't paying for running backs. Uh, very few ever go in the first round. Uh, the guy's done a lot of work, so he could warrant a first-round draft pick like if you really wanted him. But end of the day, I don't know that he's going to find a trade partner. So um, especially going into this year, minus somebody getting injured late in training camp. So uh, I, I'm really not sure what this looks like if he doesn't play for the Colts this year. I, I would hate to see him miss a season of football, but um, I, I, teams are just not uh, in a hurry, even for productive ones, to to part with draft picks, especially top draft picks, to get running backs. See, and, and, and that, that's the thing, though. Like, again, I, I don't know how much you what I said that you heard as, as you were, you know, jumping in here, but if you're going to place a first-round draft pick tender on, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, and, and others, then why not into cash and pay him? He's never came out and said, I don't want to be in Indianapolis. He never came out and, and, and dragged the team, i.e. James Harden. He's never come out and been a malcontent you know, in the locker room and in the community, you don't see him, you know, running around with, you know, 20 baby mamas and, you know, doing crazy stuff, i.e. Zion Williamson, you know. So he, he's been a pretty much stand-up guy. All he wants to do is take care of his family, um, and he's given the organization all that he could potentially give him. I mean, he wants to be there. So you want to sit there and play hardball. And, again, keep you moving to it earlier. You know, Ursay and the Indianapolis Colts have drove several, several stars out of there um, due to, you know, financial implications or, or whatever the case may be. If you're going to value him enough to put a first-round tender on, on what it will cost to, to get him, then why not pay him like a first-round draft pick, keep the man in your building, and then build around him? Like, Ursay and the Indianapolis Colts are essentially talking out of both sides of the face. Well, and Ursay to me, like, Ursay is a clown, as Chandler would call him, on a regular basis. The only uh, reason why he could come out and call out another uh, NFL owner on bad behavior is because there's only one or two other owners in the league that have been more <laughs> poorly behaved than Jim Ursay. Uh, so, that being said, like, I, yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Sirius. I mean, you, you get – you get a young quarterback who, by all accounts, needs to continue to develop as a passer. He didn't have as much time in college to polish his game as some other guys do coming out. So you are going to have to rely on things like your running game to help that quarterback along. So why would you then – 
not just pay your best player, right? Like coming off 2,000 yards a couple of years ago or, or threatening right at that 2,000-yard mark. I mean, he's a legit player if he could stay healthy. Like, I mean, last year banged up. That happens uh, at the running back position. But you would think that all pro running back play would be a huge help and an important piece to the development of a young quarterback. Well, I mean, and, that, and, and that's the thing that you – I mean, again, we, we, we could sit there and talk about this for a minute, and we'll, we'll move on, I'm sure, here in a second. But based off of how your team is currently constructed, okay, you got the rookie quarterback who, for all intents and purposes, has not shown the ability to, 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 to throw the ball accuracy and play well. You know, he, he jumped up into the draft after only playing 13 games of collegiate football. Yeah, we can we can talk about Anthony Richardson um, another time, but he's a guy now. He 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 he's a guy you're gonna you know build your team around and, and rock with. The best friend of of a young quarterback outside of a tight end is a solid running game, and you have that in Jonathan Taylor, who rehabbed and got the surgery this off season and is now 100% healthy. We saw what he was able to do last time. He was 100% healthy. You know, he led the league in rushing. He led the league in touchdowns. He was an all-purpose guy, and you and you surround him with a mobile quarterback who, again, it's a copycat league, so you see the read options with Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and, and Justin Fields. You see what a, a, what a solid running game can look like uh, with, with a mobile quarterback and everything like that. And so – you have that in Anthony Richardson, and so the 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 the, the blueprint, if you will, for the Indianapolis Colts is extremely clear. You know what I'm saying? You 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 protect this young guy. You surround him with, you know, halfway decent options. I mean, again, I'm not saying Michael Pittman Jr. is uh, first ball Hall of Famer or, or in the Jamar Chase Justin Jefferson category, but he's no scrub. You got Alex Pierce, who was a who was a rookie last year, who again is no scrub. He for for, for the longest time during the middle to end, uh, end of last season, he was pretty much carrying that wide receiver core, you know what I'm saying, with no namers at quarterback or whatever the case may be. So Alex Pierce is no scrub. You have yourself a, a halfway decent tight end. And so you, you have the, 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 the makings of a formidable, if you will, offense. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they're going to be all world, but it's formidable. You can, you can score some points with that. You can see how – the Indianapolis Colts want to maneuver and move the ball, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're going to be putting the ball into the gut 28 a lot of the time. Now, because Ursay is Ursay, and he decided to stick his foot in his mouth and set his franchise back because he doesn't want to pay his guy, you know what I'm saying? Keep in mind, he's not. I don't think he's trying to reset the market. I don't think he's trying to – you know, make you know again. I hate using Deshaun Watson as a as as a as a measuring stick here, but he's not trying to make Deshaun Watson type money, whatever the equivalent of that is for running back. But he's not trying to do all that. He's just trying to get what he's worth and trying to get market value for what he's worth. And he he he, he shot himself in the foot. Now you go into the last game of the preseason with. You know, Wish.com running backs in, in in the building. You have no idea what the offense is going to look like. Anthony Richardson, you know, is now going to have to have more on his plate because he doesn't have the services of Jonathan Taylor, what it looks like. 
I, it, this thing is f more ways than sideways, and we got less than two weeks before we're sitting here talking about opening day and watching Indianapolis Colts go up and play a real-life football game that's going to count, man. I, it, and, and am I missing something here or, you know, or what, CP? We close it down if, if you're done with it. No, that, that's pretty much everything's been said on it. Um, at the end of the day, I really feel like this is going to set them back a year or two. And the one thing I don't like is uh, – if they're going to get rid of Jonathan Taylor, get rid of him now. Don't let it be like a lingering thing and you wait till like week four or week six to let him go and then be some rusty running back on somebody's team. Like, no, that's not right. I don't I don't like that. There's two sides of the story, and the Colts haven't gotten it right ever since Andrew Luck left. So this is that organization that watched Luck basically questionably leave and all the stuff that came out after the fact now that he's retired comparison to looking at one of the better running backs in the league that you don't want to pay. You're being cheap with a uh, a marquee player. Like I, I don't get this now. Now now this has gotten out of hand. And um, if Ursay's the you know if he's right proving that Jonathan Taylor isn't the guy, then he's he's Mister Cleo. And like you could predict the future. If if not, it's like he still gets to dodge it, sitting on millions of dollars and don't care how the Colts look. You know aftermath of watching so many players leave Indianapolis. I'll respect that. Second, Mr. Harvey, you got anything else on this so we can we can clean it up and move on? No, I just you know, I think about the Colts and that you mentioned stars leaving. I think about the fact that they let Marshall Falk out of the building years ago. Like, I just feel like this is a disturbing pattern for this franchise. And listen, if you're gonna draft a young rookie quarterback and you want him to grow and you want to give him the best chance to succeed and be the future for you at that position then shame on you for what you're doing here with Jonathan Taylor. Don't tell me you care about the quarterback's development when you're not making sure you have all your best pieces around him and you're not trying to put your best foot forward to help this guy. I respect it. I respect it. Call the number is 929-477-2759. Lock on all the sports TV chefs. Before we go any further, we're going to pay some bills. Shout out to PHI Apparel. This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's PHI Apparel. .co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. PHI Apparel for, for sponsoring this show and along with the other ones here on the Sports Eat Chef Network. Uh, definitely check out their website. Um, get your Philadelphia merchandise, the, the Eagles, the Phillies, the, the 76ers, the, and, and anything alike, man. They, they got some great stuff on their website, so shout out to them. Moving on, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about preseason um, that took place in the week two wrapped up yesterday uh, with the Baltimore Ravens and the Washington Commanders playing a thriller. Um, and I'm actually going to start there. Um, the biggest thing about that particular game was, I guess, the, 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 the winning streak has come to an end. Um, the, the Baltimore Ravens won 24 in a row, uh, dating back to, I believe, it was 2015. 
was the last time they lost a preseason game. Um, again, you got to know where I reside, so everybody around here is going crazy. But I wanted to talk to you guys about that particular game. I'm pretty sure you guys saw it. Um, Sam Howell is turning himself into a, a little bit uh, of a thing, um, able to distribute the football. Um, his offensive line is some trash, but I wanted to talk to you guys and see what you guys thought about it. Um, is there any significance to uh, the record that the Baltimore Ravens had? Um, what's your thoughts on it? Mr. Harvey, I, I'll start with you, sir. Baltimore Ravens dropped one uh, yesterday to the Washington Commanders. How do you feel about it? Uh, not a bit of significance. I mean, it's almost coincidentally one of those games. Yes, you want to win, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's preseason. We're just trying to get ready for the regular season. It does mean something to, you know, some of those guys that uh, play uh, for sure, but at the end of the day, um, there's not a lot, of, a lot of significance surrounding it, to be honest with you, other than the fact that they got wins. Um, I don't think a win or loss in that game is going to have much impact on their preparedness uh, going into the regular season. I think it's a bigger deal for the commanders to win that football game because it's um, a step in the right direction with them and something for them to feel good about going into the season. Uh, but as far as Sam Howell goes, listen, he's got a good offensive coach. Um, he does have some weapons on that team. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a team that with competent quarterback play, uh, you know, uh, has a chance to at least in the NFC, at least sniff the, uh, you know, have a chance to be in that top seven. I don't know that they will, but, uh, you know, good quarterback play. This team is definitely much more competitive than they were uh, a year ago. So I, I think it's a bigger deal for the commanders to win it than it is for the, uh, for the Ravens to take that L in the preseason. All right, all right, cool, cool. CPR, I'll come to you, man. You know, Pops was looking down, smiling after he saw what he saw up in Maryland uh, yesterday, man, with with, with, with his squad dethroning the, the nasty Ravens, man. I know you probably saw enough of it. What do you think about it? I, um... The one thing about the situation is I, I think the commanders get to use that as, like, leverage going into this season because of how much talk has been going around Sam Howell. Another thing is, is the Ravens just want to continue to see that streak going, but I don't draw too much of a significance toward it because it is that beltway matchup between Baltimore and D.C. and knowing how much of that's in line. But, man, if, if y'all got any inkling like Sports City got, man, Security was a monster up in there. If you if you check out what security does at these games, wow. But but you know that's a whole other story for a whole other day, gentlemen. You know, who for thought? Who for thought? Hopefully y'all can really do these dishes. But um, definitely, I I really the more thing I'm looking at is if Washington carry this into their division in the NFC East and not come in last place because a lot of people, including myself, I think they will finish at the bottom of the division even though me, Barry, and uh, Sirius had an interesting discussion about the potential or talent of them up against the Giants. Can they actually be better than the Giants? I don't know if they're better than Philadelphia. I damn sure don't know if they're better than Dallas either. So this would be interesting to see if they could climb up out of the cellar and use this as some type of leverage going into the season. Baltimore, on the other hand, they're not playing everybody. We still haven't seen, you know, the likes of Odell and Lamar connect yet, and I'm a big Mark Andrews fan, so – 
none of this is really come out on the field for the Ravens. It's just that the Ravens really fight because they really want to make that team. They, they're really a gritty team as well. So that that's the only significance is how they've been running this for so long and finally got caught. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, as as, as a card-carrying member of the Ravens Suck fan club, um, I have to give honorable honors due for them to rattle off 24 straight uh, preseason wins is, is no easy feat. Um, but I think, honestly, low-key, I think the Ravens are, are ticked off that they lost because if you kind of listen to what Harbaugh and, and a few of the others are saying, uh, they wanted to win that ball game, and I, I'm a firm believer of you, if you suit up, you you play to win the game. You know, shout out to Herm Edwards, um, but that, that, that's what you do. You play to win the game. Now, all things being created equal, you got third stringers and fourth stringers and people fighting for for roster spots and practice squads and putting you know stuff on film for potentially auditions for other teams. So. I get it. You know, Lamar didn't play yesterday. J.K. Dobbins was in the building, didn't play yesterday. Odell didn't play yesterday. So um, this, the, the commanders played all their ones until the first half. So I, I get it. I get it. But with, you know, the game on the line, there was some serious, you know, gameplay going on. Um, and ultimately the, the commanders, they, they're calling themselves the street busters now out here in the Metro. You know, they, they beat the Steelers when they were undefeated. They they hung the first loss on the Philadelphia Eagles a season ago, and now they ended the, the winning streak of the Baltimore Ravens back in 2015. So they're calling themselves the street busters. Whatever. Do do what you do. Clap it up. You know, salute to them for getting it done. Um, I think the biggest issue at hand is the health of Terry McLaurin, who went down with an apparent turf toe and that injury and anybody who's played this game for any significant period of time understands, especially if you're playing wide receiver, the significance of that particular injury. So all all prayers up to, to, to Scary Terry. Hopefully he's able to get himself back right before the Arizona Cardinals show up in two weeks at FedEx Field. Um, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity, as, as I did last week, to kind of talk about your particular team um, as week two of preseason came to a close. And, Mr. Harvey, I'll come to you first. The Saints um, came up victorious in a close one against the, the L.A. Chargers, man. What did you see um, as that game unfolded? I Mr. Harvey, if you talk that, I saw a team that played sloppy, a few too many penalties. But um, I saw – listen, it, there's going to be some tough decisions uh, to be made in that wide receiver room. Uh, the kid from LSU, John J. Kirkland, um, some other guys towards the back of that roster, the kid from uh, South Carolina State, shout out to HBCUs, uh, big six five six six kid, um, showed some size. I, I definitely saw uh, some guys at the back of the receiver rotation kind of flex and play pretty well. Um, I thought the defense looked pretty well. Uh, one of the big things that I saw on the defensive side of the ball that I was really looking for was to see something out of Jalen Smith, uh, former Cowboy linebacker. Uh, you know, he did a nice job uh, for them this past weekend. You know, he's not going to be called on to start unless there's injuries. Uh, Demario Davis and uh, Pete Warner will make up the 
majority of the snaps at the linebacker position. And so, but Jaden Smith uh, showed that he was kind of in shape and played pretty well. So um, I was impressed with that. Uh, some depth in the backfield as well. Uh, I think Will Lutz is right in the kicking game. He kicked pretty well. Uh, Jameis kind of sluggish here and there. A couple of touchdowns wiped off due to penalty. Um, and then the kid that they drafted, uh, Jacob uh, Kaner, Kaner, the kid from uh, Fresno State, the quarterback, uh, played the entire second half, struggled a little bit, and then kind of settled down. I This kid is – you know, a project, he may be a backup, but they think maybe there's a chance one day he could be a starter in this league, a little bit undersized, quick release. Um, but what I can tell you from the play that I saw from both quarterbacks, uh, but even mostly for this kid, I think that if he continues to progress, it'll make it easier for them to move on from Jameis Winston in future seasons because Jameis still wants the ability to start somewhere. I don't know if he'll get it, but that's what he really wants. Uh but I, I feel pretty good about the depth in the quarterback room uh, right now. And I did see the kid, Trevor Penny, that they drafted from UNI, super athletic. Uh, throughout the week, handled himself really well. Uh, left tackle in practice, even against Khalil Mack. And uh, the star defensive ends both said that uh, the Chargers bring to the table. So, uh, he's a guy that has to take a big step forward uh, for this team uh, at the left tackle position. Last year, he kind of came in hot-headed, got in some troubles and extra penalties, and uh, wasn't able to step into that role yet. But sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But Trevor Penny is being given the keys to uh, that left tackle spot uh, to start the year. And if he continues to develop and and play at the, you know, show the athletic ability that we've seen from him, uh, that could be a big, big piece uh, for this New Orleans Saints team on that offensive line. But a little bit too sloppy in penalties. I I like the depth at certain positions. Uh, You know, you didn't see uh, very many of the starters out there uh, getting much run. And, you know, I also saw a tragedy before the game with some stuff going over Jimmy Graham. They said that – yeah, you know, he had he had some things going on, so I hope whatever is going on there, I hope he uh, gets that right. And, you know, if it's meant to be, he has a chance to suit up for the black and gold again this year. Uh, but, you know, I, this team this team has some talent on it. I, you know, I said this all last year, too, but I still think there's a, a decent amount of talent in this building. Um, and I didn't see anything this past weekend that, that convinced me otherwise. Like I said, too many penalties. There are some things that definitely need to be cleaned up but I can't be mad at the effort. I mean, I, I, I can respect it. I, I didn't get too much uh, footage on, on that particular game. Everything that I've caught uh, from that game is strictly highlights. Um, later on this week, I'll probably scroll back, you know, and take a look at it. But, um, TP, I, I, I'll flip over to you, sir. Um, a far different crowd from what it looked like last week. Um, when you, you know, the offense is humming and you guys are moving, it seems like you guys struggle a little bit uh, versus Jacksonville Jaguars at, at that score would indicate, you know, what you see? Um, was it a coaching thing? Was it a player personnel thing? I saw, you know, Teddy B out there trying to figure some stuff out, and, you know, he's only been there for about, you know, a week or some change, so that may be a little difficult. But what did you see from, from your squad um, as you guys fell in the Jacksonville Jaguars this past week? 
you know, as like a, uh, you know, like a Bill Clinton or George Bush or Donald Trump, Obama, they get out of a car and everybody rushes the car and they go back up. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. That's exactly what's going on at Ford Field with the Detroit Lions. Disgusting. Um, I understand why, but me being a starved, crazed, diehard fan, I want to see something. So I know they are playing gun for gun, right? September 7th is everything, and they know they got to deal with Andy Reid. Every single play was so vanilla. They are not giving anybody anything. They had Craig Reynolds in the game for the entire first half. You know how you usually spell a running back if he's getting tired? Especially after two or three uh, plays in a series, they'll put another running back in. No. Craig Reynolds was in that game for everything. And, oh, by the way, last week we had a, a couple of people in here. As you know, James Greenwood was in here. Um, if you want, I am not impressed with Teddy Bridgewater. Even though the offensive line didn't give him the time that he needed, he doesn't look all that good. He's better than Nate Sudfeld. Eventually, I think they're going to get rid of Nate Sudfeld and cut their ways because uh, Nate Sudfeld is a turnover machine right now. Um, I don't even know how it's looking that bad because he's the, the taller quarterback that stands firm in the pocket. But when he's throwing a – it literally looks like a punt. It literally looks like he's giving the ball to the other team. It doesn't even look like he's going through any of his progressions. Um, when he misses, he misses bad. He's throwing it high and behind the receiver. Um, this made it tough because you didn't get to really see too much out of any of the offensive threats that we have that are fighting for jobs. This makes it tough for management and Dan Campbell to see what they're going to do with at least the receivers they're trying to keep because they already got the Ford. They got to try and keep a spot open for Jameson Williams. Now is uh, Dylan Drummond and Chase Cole are the two receivers that they're trying to keep around. And maybe the third one, uh, Maurice Alexander, but I think that's more or less a situation with special teams. So because um, he got that punt return against the Giants, I think that's what's going to lock him in for at least kick return at this time because the punt return is going to be locked in by Khalif. But they're not running any plays like especially pass play, they're not giving anybody anything. They're running a lot of blasts uh, just to try to move the chain the best they can. I think it's to give the offensive line as much work as possible. The uh, two players on the defense that I actually love that, you know, are getting the speaking value, shall I say, even though they do get talked about, but not as much as Brian Branches, because Brian Branches now solidified a star at this point in time until he really plays a a real regular season game because everybody's gawking at him. This dude makes plays. He's popping people. Ask Cole Beasley. Shout out to that hit. And um, But uh, the one thing about Jack Campbell is Jack Campbell don't give a crap on what's going on. He's going to go out there and make plays, and this dude is a rookie robot. Like, if, if he know where the play is going, he's coming to get it. And to see him at that size to have good closing speed, I love it. I'm I'm – He's making it difficult on the new jersey that I want to get. I'm really stuck to trying to get Jameer Gibbs because I feel like I'm saying it here and now. Lord, please forgive me. Jameer Gibbs is Barry Sanders 2.0. So that's making that tough for me. I do want Branch as well. So those those are the two jerseys I want. But if Jack keeps playing football the way that he's playing football, this makes it a tough third. Um, the other player that I'm mad at with Detroit was last year the way that the season closed was uh, James Houston. They put him in for the last seven games. This guy ends up with eight sacks. And then he comes into this season, and he's still a monster. He still has it. And it's like they were playing with him, like, beginning of that Giants game, saying they, they don't know if he's going to make the team. It's like, what? This guy's incredible. 
and it comes out and plays incredible again. So now they're already changing their tune. Like Houston's a make, he's gonna make the team. So it's it's I'm I'm happy that they got at least these two. That I'm happy that they're young and making an imprint on the team. The one thing that breaks my heart, right, is family. I love my family. I love family values. I love ethics of family, right? And where I say this is called the Okwara brothers, and um, it looks like one of them is going to have to go. And um, Romeo and Julian, this was this was cool to have you guys there. I really want to see you guys remain there, but we got so many good edge rushers. The one that's at the bottom of the totem pole is going to have to go. And um, I think it's Julian. Even though Julian got a sack against the, the Giants, they are really – ready to stick with Romeo, but move on Julian. And Julian's already being suited to go to another team. I think the Giants are actually interested in him too. So they already have suitors. I, I just want to see what happens if they can try and keep these two together. Because I know that's something that they probably energize each other, you know, practice by practice, game by game, play by play. It's like, hey, you – and they, they said something. They'd like to have a meeting at the quarterback. That's their, their motto as brothers, you know, and it is – it just breaks my heart that this may potentially happen. Um, I'm hoping they can keep him, but all of the names in front of him, it's like, I don't want to see any of them cut, you know, like the way that John Kaminsky's turned into an absolute star. Um, Aiden Hutchinson not going anywhere. That dude got Michigan in the palm of his hands. Like I said, James Houston as well. Um, it's, it's a lot of people coming off that edge that they are going to put in and, they're saying that the second unit is just as strong as the, the starting unit uh, defensively, especially off the edge. So it's going to be tough to see if Julian can hang on to the job, but it breaks my heart to see the family break up. One of my favorite movies, I quoted it the last time, was The Color Purple when uh, Nettie had to leave Miss Silly because Mr. wasn't having it. I feel like it's happening again with Romeo and Julianne. Yeah, man, it's, um, it's an unfortunate situation. You know, when you got to let go of family, we, we kind of did that this past year without, you know, signing, you know, Derek Watt back. So, um, you know. Oh, they got rid of Derek <laughs> Watt? Really? Yeah, Derek, yeah, Derek Watt is not. not, not so he's a free agent now or he's on the team? He's a, he's a free agent. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a free agent. So it's tough, you know what I'm saying? You know, we. We, we, we've kind of been there, but um, yeah, I, I, I was curious to hear your take on, on the Lions, man. Because for, for you know, I honestly um, expect some big things from them this year. Um, I did a couple fantasy football drafts over the weekend and ended up picking up Jared Goff um, for four dollars in, in an auction league. No, excuse, two dollars. I got it for two dollars in an auction league. So. Um, I expect big things out of Mr. Golf and, you know, um, to see them pull up that type of outfit. I mean, granted, they, they, didn't, they didn't scheme anything and, you know, they kick off the season versus, versus the Chiefs. So, you know, it's all gamesmanship, if you will. So I'm not reading too much into it. Um, but for, for, for me, gentlemen, uh, we opened up the, the, the season at, at home and we played the Buffalo Bills. Um, and I'm not going to really dive too much into it because, again, it's preseason. Um, all starters for both teams play, um, it looks like a couple couple quarters, not a couple quarters, but a couple series, if you will. 
Um, the one thing I wanted to stress about what I saw from the Steelers is the fact that they're uh, relentless on defense. Um, they were able to generate significant pressure without doing too much blitzing. Um, and then when we did blitz, I felt as though it was very, very timely. Um, both units, uh, offensive and defensive line, were able to really establish themselves uh, very early on in that game. Jalen Warren yanked off a 62-yard run. Um, and then we we capitalized on that with a turnover, um, and then we put that ball in the end zone. Mike Tomlin always talked about playing complimentary football um, and being able to finish off drives with, with some sort of kick. Um, and so we were able to get ourselves a turnover, get our hands on the football, and Kenny Pickett and the team put that in the end zone relatively quickly. So we jumped out to a 14 nothing lead before the blink of an eye. Uh, we ended up winning that ball game 27-15 to 15 with the Buffalo Bills getting a couple of charity touchdowns late. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to, you know, talk about, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because, again, it's preseason, and I wanted to um, touch on one other thing before we got out of here, was the simple fact that I liked how we complement each other and how we play complimentary football. Um, but I feel as though we are establishing somewhat of an identity. Um, we are able, from the looks of things, again, this is two weeks into the preseason, and then you guys know I was up there uh, for, for a significant time, you know, at training camp watching things. Um, the trenches, our offensive defensive line is playing significantly well right now. Um, uh, people laughed at me when, when I said our biggest all-season signing um, was an offensive lineman. You know, Samalu from the Philadelphia Eagles came over and has literally solidified our right guard, excuse me, our left guard position. Um, and then bringing up, coming on off the bench, you know, Roger Jones and, and company, our rookie who we drafted from Georgia. Um, I really like how offensive defensive line look right now. I really do. My dad would be so proud because normally I'm talking about wide receivers and quarterbacks and, and running backs, but, you know, offensive defensive line looks extremely, extremely dominant. Um, which I think is going to be very, very big for us as we as we press on. Uh, we've got the Falcons this week, and then it, it, it's the 49ers, you know, at go time. So I'm um, really, really looking forward to that. A um, couple of things. Uh, Joey Porter got his first interception um, as a as a Pittsburgh Steeler, and, you know, tribute moment, he got the pick, and then he went and gave the ball to his bag. Um, call me crazy, call me old school, call me anything you want, but I, I, I felt that, you know what I'm saying? I, I was the type of guy who – uh, when we won Super Bowl 40, Joey Porter was on the field being held by his dad, you know, as the, as, as, as the you know, great stuff fell and as the, the lights and all that stuff was happening, he was putting on the Super Bowl champion hat. Fast forward a couple of years later, he's not handing the football to his dad as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers after catching his first interception as as an NFL as an NFL player, man, and kind of getting goosebumps. And, you know, I was able to talk to Peasy about that when I when I was speaking to him a couple of weeks ago, um, he said you know I guess he was destined for him to be a sailor. So we'll see what happens with that. I I don't want to bore you guys with that type of stuff, but I, it was cool to see that transpire and that take place. Um, Calvin Austin is going to be a problem. Calvin Austin is going to be a problem. That dude runs four two in a sleep. Um, and so I'm not going to kind of liken him to a Tyree Kill type of guy because I think Tyree Kill, <laughs> his speed is an attribute to how well he really is. I mean, Tyree Kill's career is, is off the charts and what he's been able to accomplish. But 
from a speed standpoint, that boy's going to go. He's going to go quickly. So um, I'm curious to see how he kind of phases himself into the office and whatever. Some losing notes, we went ahead and released um, Hakeem Butler, uh, the guy we, uh, we signed from uh, the NFL, not Europe, but the CFL. Uh, we went ahead and released him, made some other, uh, made some other moves, um, getting ready for cut down day and roster day. Um, but again, I like the trajectory of where we're going. I like the trajectory of where we're going. So we'll press on. Uh, call the number is nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Lock on sports each other for the next fifteen minutes or so. Um, I wanted to talk about these these these, these fights that's been going on. Um, and practices, and I kind of want to get your position on it, gentlemen. Um, ever since there's been joint practices, I understand that you want to kind of see some things, but it seems like every joint practice there's been a fight or a brawl breakout. Most recently, the Philadelphia Eagles and Indianapolis Colts engaged in one. Um, and again, Jason Kelsey. Um, said that it was somewhat of a cheap shot, if you will. And there's been a lot of that going on um, when these brawls come into play. I, I think back to last week when the Commanders and, and, and the Ravens had one, and weeks before that, and the Dolphins were, were, were involved in one. And so I, I feel as though it may be time for the NFL to kind of step in and somewhat police this sort of thing because this side of stuff wouldn't be happening in, in, in a real NFL game because there are consequences uh, for this type of behavior. But, T.P., I'll come to you, sir. Um, what say you about these these brawls that tend to take place um, during these joint practices and should something be done about it? I um, understand where you're trying to come from, but I disagree with you because this is a physical nature sport, and these guys are fighting for jobs. I don't think the NFL should get in it at all, but I, I want them to, like, not injure each other or get caught up in these fights. It, it, but it's, it's summertime. You know people have attitudes in the summer, and one of you guys could be on the fringe of getting cut, so you got to keep that tenacity in front of these guys. So I understand your value towards safety and everything, and I, I'm not negating that. But they have to have that nastiness involved in the game. If not, then just have these guys play flag. They already lowered the, the situation of people taking big hits and things of that nature. They already taking a lot of the fun out of football. They, they, they have to let some of this stuff go. I'm not condoning the fighting. Please don't make it seem like I'm condoning the fighting, but these are grown men getting paid millions of dollars or having an attempt to at least pull in a couple hundred thousand or millions of dollars for their family's future. And if the the, the team is deciding to say, well, you're on the bubble. Man, listen, they're giving it their all in the summertime. Water, hydrated or not, they are going to go toe-to-toe. And even Jason Kelsey, the veteran of that Philadelphia Eagle team, even took accountability of the situation. And that's why I, I do respect the Kelsey brothers. These guys are wholesome gentlemen to, like, uh, almost every one of their situations. Now, Travis is a different situation because of what he did to his girl, but that's a whole other story, a whole different situation. But – Jason definitely took accountability for his actions, and, and he actually spoke to the media about it as well. So this stuff happens. It, they they knew all of these teams know it before the practices start, so they know what they're in for. Just when that stuff erupts, it, people talk trash. Like I talk trash in sports when I play, so I, I know what's going on. 
I mean, I, I can respect that. I, I'll say my position for, for, for after Mr. Harvey goes. Mr. Harvey, man, um, the, the preseason, not preseason, but these inner practice, joint practice brawls that seem to be breaking out, you know, every week. And for the last couple of years, it seems like there's been one ever since these, these, these two teams link up, man. What say you about how the NFL should deal with this or should they even matter, you know? To TP's point, you know, these guys are battling for jobs and, and facts, so it should they it shouldn't even matter. Mm, I think this this joint practices is probably more productive than the players for the players than the actual preseason games. Because you do have live rounds, you may be willing to throw stuff out there that you don't necessarily want to put on tape for the rest of the league and that kind of thing. And you do get some one, you know, first against first strings and that kind of stuff. So I think these joint practices are huge. Um, I think when you've been hitting your own guys every day for a while, you know, tempers are going to kind of flare with people being competitive. And you started seeing a couple of day, a couple of teams like if they know with certain guys like the Rams, for example, gave Aaron Donald a rest day during the joint practices because they know he's always turning up, and so they were trying to like, I guess, get ahead of it and avoid the uh, the fight in the in two and fights in practice. But I think it's good. I mean, I think people need to sometimes get tested and learn the pieces together. But I, I think that especially with the one less preseason game and the fact that you're not running those starters out there every game, and in some cases not really at all, I think that these joint practices are the only chance to really see some of your starters and some of your people against somebody different or against, you know to see how they're going to react to certain schemes and sets that maybe your offense isn't running. So, uh, you know, I, I read this. I read something about this today, talking about all the different reasons why the coaches definitely can uh, see it as beneficial and gain from it. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a time and a place for them. Uh, and I think that with, with like I said, with starters not running out in the preseason in a lot of cases, like it's probably the only chance to really see them really be tested uh, other than, you know, what your team's running, and they already should have some familiarity with some of that. So I can see the place for them. Uh, I'll be curious to see if things continue to break out if you start to see like less and less of that. All right. I mean, I, I can respect it. Um, I think for me, gentlemen, I see where both of you guys are coming from. Uh, I, I, I look at it like this. When these fights break out, you know, they're grabbing helmets and swinging stuff and, you know, hands are flying and they're going fisticuffs. And, again, I'm not, I don't want to be the the grumpy old dude and, you know, all that sort of thing. I, I honestly believe that something should be done because ultimately you're there to work. You're, you're there to work. And, I think that these joint practices are significantly better uh, for coaches to kind of understand some things and pick some things apart and, you know, put, you know, teams in 
advantageous situations. You know, if you want to work on goal line, you go over there and work on goal line. If you want to work on, you know, down and distance, third and whatever, down and distance, you can set the situation up and pretty much customize your practice, you know, what you need to work on and subsequently work on that. So, I, again, I get it. And I'm all for it, but these fights and these brawls, I, you know, there's no need for that. I mean, here's my thing. Like, even if you know, you're in an NFL game and you're playing during a regular season. You're hitting against somebody else. You know, you go and get your your same team all week. Um, and you get out there on a Sunday and somebody says something that they shouldn't say or says something slick. Like, you guys know me, like, you know, pretty well. Like, I talk trash in my sleep. You know what I'm saying? I'm fortunate enough to get on here and get behind the mic and do it, you know, with you guys every week. But you know, I, I, I play softball, I play basketball, you know, pick up stuff. I, I mean, I do it all, and I talk trash all week. You know what I'm saying? If somebody decided they wanted to bow up, then, unfortunately, I have to face the consequences. And, you know, if I swing on them in a rec league, I'm, I'm getting kicked out. You know what I'm saying? So there, there, there's consequences to every action. You know what I'm saying? And I think they can, the coaches can use this as a teaching method, you know what I'm saying, if you will, Somebody's going to say some sick stuff to you, and they always tend to catch the secondary reaction. You know what I'm saying? We can't have that in the middle of a fourth quarter. We can't have that in the middle of a two-minute drill. You know, we, we, we can't have you spiking the ball and doing gyrations and wasting time chase play pool. You know what I'm saying? While we're in the middle of a two-minute drill, you're wasting time. So I, I, I think there needs to be something done. I, I don't want to see anybody get fined or suspended a significant amount of time, but I, I think these players and these coaches have to do a significant better job of policing their own. And, again, I, the commanders and the Ravens did this a couple weeks ago, and Ron Rivera said that we, we warned our players, we told our players, you know, not to engage in that type of stuff. And yet, you know, Mark Andrews is WWE sweepex on some people. you got, you know, offensive defensive linemen clearing off piles and doing a bunch of other crazy stuff to instigate some things, and I just don't think that needs to be in the game. But, I mean, I guess you guys have points on it. CP, Harvey, you got anything else before we get out of here? Well, no. I mean, for for that reason, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to get, you know, loose cannons, things of that nature. But there's a movie from the early 2000s, and it kind of goes saying and saying to a lot of these people that may have that Nietzsche or, you know, that gall to make it happen. Uh, I like comedy. I'm not going to lie. There's a movie called All About the Benjamins. And um, Mike Epps lost his wallet, and he sees it in the car, and Eva Mendes says, there it goes right there. And... um, Ice Cube rolls up, and he's like, yo, we got to go. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going nowhere. And then they bought the fight. And he said, $45 million worth of lottery tickets? You said, I'm crazy? Ninja, I'm insane. And then he swung. Like, like that's what that's what's gonna happen. That's, like, like, so, so that's what people temperature going to be. Like, that. that's the ticket. That's the ticket right there to get that chicken at the end of the day. So I get it. Is not called for. I don't condone it, but they trying to change their lives. They trying to do. They trying to make a living off of something that they love to do. Like like it's hard to find a job that you know you love to do. A lot of us don't have that luxury, and um, this is right. something that they 
you know, from Pop Warner, Wee, however school leagues you have, to where they are now, 22, 23 years old, entering the league and potentially fighting for a job, literally fighting for a job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. You know, again, we're all testosterone-led dudes, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's testosterone hits, you know what I'm saying? It is a gladiator sport. Um, again, I just don't want to see the report of some dude. I know I know with the commanders and, and the Ravens, some dudes want a helmet, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, i.e., you know, Miles Garrett style. <laughs> and almost connected with a dude out here in the Metro because of what was said or what was done. So, um I don't still think there's a need for it, but I mean, I, I get your point, Mr. Harvey. Anything before we get out of here, sir? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do think this needs to be reined in because, uh, to your point, I think you use the teaching tool. Like, people are going to try to get under your skin during the regular season uh, because, listen, you could be in the middle of a big drive, if somebody can say something to rattle you, and you pop off. You know, a penalty like that can really be the difference between a win and a loss. And at the end of the day, I will say that, you know, it's different with football because it's a gladiator sport. These guys are are, are hyped up, ready to go, fired up. But at the end of the day, uh, part of what you and I and most people need to do uh, to maintain our job is to keep our composure as best we can you know, during stressful situations, right? So, uh, you know, I, I think that you have to continue to police it. I think you got to remind your guys, and I think you got to see it as a as a test on how people handle uh, pressure pack situations. And I don't know, I don't know what you do to try to police it and cut down on it. Some, to be honest with you, uh, but I do think that there needs to be something because I I do believe that these practices are beneficial to coaches. I think they're beneficial to players just to be able to get up and line up against somebody else instead of the same people that you're lining up with day in and day out through training camp. So I do think there's a lot of benefits to these and I think they need to continue. I I just think that uh, somehow, some way uh, need to, try to keep things from getting super explosive uh, just because somebody said the wrong thing or something popped off. Because the last thing that you want to see for your team or anybody else's for that matter, but the last thing you want to see is some foolish, like, uh, skirmish cause you to, you know, somebody pop off, like you said, swing a helmet or something. And God forbid, like, one of the stars of the league or one of the stars that you're banking on to – you know, help you get where you want to go, uh, get seriously injured and misses a big chunk of time. And right. so I, 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 but I definitely think the idea is to figure out how to manage it better and to figure out how to uh, keep a better handle on it. Uh, I think that needs to happen before we just cut them out because these guys don't, you know, uh, before coaches and, and the league just looks at it and said, well, y'all don't know how to act, so we got to cut this out. Um, so I, I I just think that we got we got to figure out a way to police it a little bit better. I remember when I was playing uh, pee wee football growing up, and even uh, middle school, high school, and collegiate ball. 
uh, we used to have these scrimmages, you know, with, you know, interconference people, and we would show up to their place, or they'd show up to our place, and we'd meet at some type of mutual location. And our coach always always told us, always told us, yo, you, I catch you guys fighting, I catch you guys doing some extracurricular stuff, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. So, um, and me, again, me being the hothead, you know what I'm saying, I got myself involved in some stuff, and I had to sit, you know, I had to sit the first, you know, the first quarter of, of, of a game because I got myself involved, you know, with the extracurricular stuff. So I think there's a way for, for coaches and, and you know, personnel to, to manage it. Um, again, these are multi-million dollar players, so, you know, I'm not sure too sure you can take that type of drastic route with them, but, I mean, I'm pretty sure if the team would, you know, find them, you know, undisclosed amount or whatever the case may be, this will go a long way into making sure that these type of brawls don't take place um, in the future. With that being said, we reached the tail end of the show. Mr. Harvey, man, thanks for coming by and kicking with us, man. Give me a plug and a close out and shut the door here in the kitchen, man. Yeah, man, check us out, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the website. We got blogs. We're going to have more, more finger foods and things coming as we get closer to and into uh, this regular season uh, of NFL football, college football on the horizon, too. We are 10 day, uh, 12 days away from uh, LSU and Florida State, 11 days from the majority of uh, college football teams kicking off. And we do have week zero this weekend in college football, so a few teams. Uh, so definitely check out everything we got going on. Check out our shows throughout the week, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. So tonight, the NFL front office show, College Cookout on Wednesdays. Roundtable Gumbo on Thursday nights with me and Chandler. Uh, hopefully he'll be back in the saddle. Other chefs been popping in. Appreciate you all coming back, coming in uh, last Thursday. Thank you, TP. And we have Villain there as well. Shout out and love to TP Timeless. Without him, I wouldn't be here. Respect to the rest of the chefs, though. And uh, really appreciate being part of this Sports City Chefs family, man. Uh, but check out everything we got going on. Remember, you can listen to us on your smart devices. And check out TP and I. On Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern time, as we uh, recap what's going on for you in the, over the weekend, and we set the table for what's up, coming up on Sunday and the week to come in sports. And uh, sometimes other chefs stop by, but uh, TP and I, I definitely uh, lay things out for you on Sunday mornings. And not this Sunday, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we will then start picking our games for the week going through and uh, previewing all the, the, the action coming up in the in the league on Sunday. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in. If you miss any of our episodes, you can listen to the podcast. You can also check us out on any of your smart speakers and smart devices. And remember, if you subscribe, you never miss an episode. If you like, it shows uh, others that, that people do listen to us and might uh, make a difference on some other people checking us out. So if you resonate with uh, what we do here in Sports City, like and subscribe to any of our stuff. And uh, appreciate the follows. Shout out to PHI Apparel as well. Uh, good job, Sirius, always behind the ones and the twos. Always good to do a show with you as well, TP. And until next time, man, laissez les bon temps roulet. Peace. Thank you so much, Mr. Harvey. Um, speaking of next week, man, uh, I wanted to say this before we got out of here. We are hosting our first annual NFL um, fantasy football draft here 
off Pussy and Chef the Network, man. So next week during this time slot, uh, this place is going to be filled with about 12 different people, 10 to 12 people. Um, we're going to be drafting NFL rosters, uh, NFL fantasy football, man. So what you're going to hear next week is um, just us talking about our picks, what we're, going, what, we, what, 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 what we're thinking, what we weren't thinking, who sniped who. We're going to hear a lot of trash talk, a lot, and it's, it's going to be live. So definitely um, if you like that type of content, like that type of energy, um, it's going to be fun, man. So definitely check us out then. TP, man, give us a plug in the club. You shut down the kitchen, my guy. Sports City, if you did not know, um, I know a lot of you are interested, but I'm into all sports. Aja Wilson just put up 53 points in the middle of Atlanta, so shout out to her up against the dream. The Las Vegas Aces, there. some terror. Let me tell you that the FIBA basketball is going crazy as well. I really can't wait to Canada and USA meet because Shea's going ratchet. So we, we'll see, but USA looks like a powerhouse. Um, it's almost reversed like Draco, but I'm I'm in tune to all of it. Um, shout out to everybody that's been showing us love across the weeks and all the support we have been getting. Stay tuned to everything we got going throughout the week, just like Mike mentioned. Um, if y'all don't know, right, security at FedEx Field in, in uh, Lanham, <laughs> Maryland, if, if y'all don't know, right, like Sports City got an end. You know what I'm saying? We got an end, you know? Just, just so y'all know, right? Y'all safe out there. <laughs> Word. We got y'all. We got y'all. I just want y'all to know where they keeping my pops building secure. You know what I'm saying? They doing it on behalf of the powers. You know, no no, no, no pun intended. You know what I mean? But I, I got to share that love. So that's, <laughs> that's my little brother. Regardless, we fight like family anyway. Like I told you, it's family all day and it's peace. And um, I got him no matter what, man. But y'all continue to show us that love, man. We got y'all every day of the week that we can. Continue to check out the website at sportscitychefs.com. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chef again. And if they don't know, how they know. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, man. Shout out to C.P. Thomas and everybody, man. Dylan was out of the building today, man. Shout out to him doing some family stuff. Uh, You know, everybody needs a time to get away, man. So hopefully he's enjoying himself and the family. Uh, don't tell him I, I, I say anything nice about him because I hate his guts, but, you know, it is what it is. With that being said, man, it's a privilege and a pleasure to do this with you guys every week. Uh, like my man said a minute ago, check us out, man. We're on blog talk radio doing this thing. We're on Internet doing this thing. Uh, we're on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, so, again, if you like the content that we bring to you guys on a regular basis, I definitely urge you guys to, you know, check out our, our stuff and, you know, rock with us. Um, Again, with that being said, man, Lord willing, we're back in the building tomorrow uh, with TP. Maybe Zelda will be back. Who knows? With that being said, man, I'll catch you guys on the next one. And the TP always says, man, tell a friend to tell a friend it's a chef again. And if they don't know, now we know, man, we are. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Ha <laughs> ha.
Connecticut. 